Happy Tuesday. Good afternoon, everybody. It's the 24th of April and a sunshiny day in Tulsa and so grateful to be here and with you. Yes, we are definitely enjoying sunshine today. We haven't had a lot and so we are grateful for all we've been getting. Is We've been in a bit of a cloudy weather season, a little bit of rain, but just mostly cloudy, still chilly, so now that we have a little warmth, we're very excited about that. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, lots of change to happening around here, and we're just grateful that Papa's done what he's doing, and we finished the fitting room this last Saturday. It was an amazing time, and all those that God called to come were a blessing to us. It was just such a joy to have them here. And um, we love seeing what he says over the marriage covenant during the fitting room. And everyone is unique. This was our ninth official fitting room, excluding uh, one we we did on a special occasion and one we did as a pilot. And, uh, and it was a beautiful, uh, wonderful time. And so... Praise God for all that he did. Yes, we definitely are. It was lovely, and we'll treasure treasure the past week for a very long time. Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. Well, it's, um, it's a pretty intense time spiritually right now. A lot of beautiful things happening, and that's really what matters. Um, I, I've heard this phrase, change of the guard, and I... I think it's something we need to dissect and dismantle and really talk about because it's it doesn't necessarily fully mean what one would expect. Um, but I I see that there has been a stewarding that has taken place and the stewarding was always uh, meant for a season. And it would be less like a servant stewarding and more like a parent, even a parent who has been raising up a child and then the child reaches an age where it's time for them to move out of the house or time for them to take over the family business, which um, again, in some respects means, well, we're, we're retiring, but that's not the case. I, I, that's why I think it's different than a traditional changing of the guard in that the, um, the stewards are um, are actually adding to, and uh, but there is a passing of inheritance, and uh, and so the um, the stewards, the ones that have faithfully carried things, will continue to carry, but um, but this is a season where there is a um, a giving of inheritance for sons and daughters to be able to grow up and have the grandchildren and for grandchildren to grow up and to have the great-grandchildren. And uh, so I see this as a real blessed time and uh, and very precious to Papa because um, the people that have been stewarding have been shown faithful. And, um, and I, I know a lot of times in our culture when we, um, when we transition in this way, it means... Uh, that the former steward uh, is sent out to pasture. And that's not the case in the kingdom where the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so Papa is um, once again promoting, but I really feel like the stewards are 
um, being celebrated by God right now. He is so grateful for how faithful each of us, all of us, have been in doing the work that we've done, working in the fields and um, preparing for the harvest. And now we get to see others come along and uh, we get to see sons and daughters rise up and we get to see inheritance transferred and we get to see grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and uh, it's a place of great honor. And so I really see Papa celebrating the stewards right now and um, welcoming, welcoming them into this new season of pouring out uh, not just to the world, but pouring out to uh, the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren. That's awesome. That's really, really why we named the portion of Araba Generations that we did, because it, it was about um, all generations being able to birth together. Um, all generations being able to release what's in them without comparison, without competition, but in communion together. And it's it's definitely something we're seeing here. And uh, it's part of the covenant I carry from my family. So it's, it's really precious to me to see that we can, um, you know, stop trying to kind of... Cl- close each other out or shut each other down, you know, the, the, the younger generation for this reason, the um, older generation for this reason, but to really have this communion where we are, we're midwifing each other and birthing what each other has without trying to take it from each other, but cheering each other on and um, being, being the greatest champions for each other. So it's, it's a really special time. And I think, um, I've just been noticing on this journey um, the past months, but really over the past year, just something, I think we've we've been invited to steward, but we don't, um, we may not consider it a gift, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Idj and I were, were at the tent this morning and just, just being reminded of the get-tos, which, you know, was a, a something that Idj taught us, you know, not the have tos, but the get tos, and um, and even the don't want tos, and really being recalibrated to that we're getting to do this, and it gets to look different, and it gets to um, grab our hearts in a different way, and so in that I've been really visiting and revisiting a story from Passover that that captured me, and and actually we had a Tuesday that we did two podcasts and one got erased and so we did a whole different one and and this was this was in my heart then and I just keep coming back to it um and so the context of this is is the story of the crucifixion through each of the four gospels and and if you've heard um winter tea and um have gotten to listen to that then there was a part where we talked about the four covenants and the four gospels and how each gospel represented one of the covenants. And so in that, I I was reading this story in that context of uh, when Mark is sharing the story of the crucifixion, he's, he's talking to those who are just getting to know, like they're, who is this uh, person? You know, what is this about? And, and when Matthew's talking about it, he 
it's all about friendship. It's encouraging people to come out of the wrestle into the rest. And Luke, it's just all about what this cross did. And and then um, John is betrothal, so it's going to be how do we move on from the cross? How do we move forward from the cross from here? And so it's interesting because in, in three of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, which I say them in a different order because of those covenants, uh, and because of actually the order they were written, Mark was written first, but they describe really distinctly what is happening to creation, or I guess a better way to say it is how creation is responding to the crucifixion. And so uh, darkness comes over the land, the earth is quaking, um, the veil of the temple is torn from top to bottom, and and there's a declaration in each of the Gospels about who Jesus is. And so in, in Mark, it said, surely this man is the Son of God. And so then in Matthew, it says, truly, this is God's Son. And so there's just, there's this deepening recognition through the Gospels of, of who Jesus is. And uh, we even in... Um, in the Gospels, in, in Matthew, it talks about the earth shaking, but it goes on to say that tombs were opened and many were resurrected, that kind of thing. And then in, in Luke, um, it has Jesus, some of Jesus' words. In the, the other two Gospels, it says he cried out. In Luke, it tells us what he said, and it was the Father. And so he's identified himself now as the Son of God. So in the other two Gospels, man has identified him, which is incredible. But now in in Luke, in this inheritance covenant, Jesus has acknowledged, this is why I came. This is who I am. And so he says, Father, into your hands I give my spirit. And then he he breathed forth his his last breath. And then, and then it's followed by a man saying, really, this man was righteous or truly he did the will of God. And so again, identifying what, um, what brings fullness of the inheritance covenant is doing the will of the Father. And that, that's where inheritance really comes forth. And, and then in Luke, it starts kind of talking about the people. And, and if from Luke's perspective, the the people that were there with Jesus are, all his acquaintances are standing far off, along with women who did follow him from Galilee. And this is an interesting thing because Luke, as part of inheritance, he always, he began introducing um, one flesh. So he would tell the story of a man, and then he would tell the story of a woman. It was very rare in that gospel that the story of something uh one of the men who was with Jesus did wasn't followed by something one of the women did or you know there were just these completing stories as he's you know beginning to prepare us for betrothal in one flesh so but then we come to John and John doesn't describe anything that really went on in creation he doesn't focus on that and remember the majority of his gospel was centered around the cross um, but he talks about the people that are at the cross, and and this is the part I feel is very significant in relation to this 
um, this thing that we get invited to steward as we mature, that we we get to see as a gift. So in John, um, it talks about Jesus carrying his own cross, and uh, that's going to be a picture of what we're going to do in betrothal. We're going to carry our crosses, that kind of thing. And then he describes, really in, in fullness, eight people that are at the cross in two groups of four. <laughs> so I see it as two gates. So he describes in this focus on mankind and how mankind is responding to the cross, to this, this crucifixion that's happening, to this culmination of Christ. He's, um, he's focused on, you know, he just really describes this whole week of becoming one. And so he lays out kind of the two choices, the choice not to or the choice to. So he talks about these four soldiers that are at the foot of the cross and they're casting lots. And so these four soldiers, it's fallen to them to carry out the crucifixion of Jesus and also the two robbers that are there with him. So they're on their knees. They're not praying. They're not in reverence. They're not um, beholding him. They are casting lots for his seamless garment that he wore. And they've come to a place where they realize they can't, they can't tear it into four pieces so that they can each take one. They must fight for it and see who can, who can take it in its entirety. And it, that is so interesting to me. They're fighting for this, and then this veil is torn. Like, Jesus' garment was such a picture of the veil that would be torn, and this choice to not allow yourself to have access, like to fight for this, um, this complete, what looks like this complete version, it's whole and just not understanding he must separate so that there can be reconciliation from the resurrection. So they're, they're just, they're fighting over this. They see absolutely nothing to gain from Christ except his garment. And so they're casting lots, they're, they're fighting over it, and um, they're, this is where they are. And then there are four women also at the cross, and it, there, there's kind of debate about whether it's three women or four. The way I read it, I see four, and also I just think it's significant that there were four soldiers four Gospels, four covenants, and so I, I believe there were four. But three of them are named. So um, Mary, his mother, and then it talks of his mother's sister, and then Mary, wife of Cleopas, who he was um, one of the, the two that was on the road when Jesus met them, and they're having this whole you know, conversation about, you know, we thought he was the one, and and he comes to them and he's saying, what are you guys arguing about? And, and they look at him and they're like, you're the only person in this town who doesn't know what's going on. You know, so the wife of, his wife is there. And then Mary the Magdalene. And so um, it's just interesting that three of them are listed with names of Mary. And um, Mary, coming from the derivative of Miriam, actually means rebel. Or to, to be so discerning that you're able to be different. And so these women, these are the ones that have loved him, 
have followed him, have supported him. You know, it's possibly, it's possible that one of them even gave him this garment, you know, was the one that gave him that. And so they're here at this cross and they're, they are standing together and they are focused on Jesus. And they, they are not there because they have anything to gain. They're there from this perspective. This is, this is our great loss because of all the gain we already have received from him. And they just want to be there with them. They're not there for what they can get. They already know he's given everything. And they, they have this understanding that he's giving his life that maybe a lot of the others except John at this point don't even realize. So here's um, what they got to steward in that moment. And, and I believe what they clung to that kept them there with him was the word no. Because in that moment, they understood that no, Jesus couldn't come off the cross. No, this cup couldn't pass from him. No, there wasn't another path he could take. This was who he was. This was why he came. And the greatest thing they could do was cling to the no that was that was present before them. And no, nothing, it can't be different than this. This is how it must be. Can you cling to that no? And well, that sounds kind of strange, but I think we can so often be focused on the yes, you know, and, and our own yes, which is crucial. But we can always kind of be looking for a yes from Papa, you know. Yes, you can do this. Yes, that's my will for you. And, and we're so great when it is. But, you know, sometimes he says no. And in that place of maturity, in the place that, that we're going, that Pa was describing, it matters that we can cling to his no as well as to his yes. Um, because sometimes he needs to say, no, that's not my will for you. No, if you, if you go on your own way, you're going to get off the path I've set for you. Um, and for me personally... You know, I really reached a point, I think it was really in the summer, where I just, I had this question for him, and I'm really not a big why person, I'm just like, you're with me, and and that's really, truly where I, I dwell most of the time, but, um, and my heart is to always be faithful to that, but I, we were walking through something, and I just, I really reached this place of, Papa... You know, either way, I'm good because I know you have the best for me. I, mean, I can walk this either way. I just want to know what to cling to. Do I need to cling to a yes you're giving me or should I cling to a no that you're saying? And it probably sounds strange, but it was just something I needed to know which, which one he was asking me to cling to so I could be faithful to it. Because I was, you know, I was just uncertain. Like, I can keep walking this path I'm on, but I'm not sure it's yes. I'm not sure you're saying yes. Could you just make your yes or no clear? And he he answered in a very creative way, you know, when I wasn't expecting. And it, it seemed kind of accidental. But I realized it wasn't at all, that it was his answer. and And it was no. It was like, no, 
this isn't where we're going. This isn't what we're going to do. This all had a purpose, but no, that's not, that's not what we're moving forward into. And so since that moment, which was in the fall, um, when I, when I had just been asking him for that, just, is it yes or is it no? And, uh, I didn't need to know what it was going to look like. Just show me what to cling to. And he said, no. And so over the past months, I've just been learning to be faithful to his no, as faithful as I would be to his yes. Like not trying to change his mind, not, you know, trying to, well, he probably really didn't mean no, <laughs> but just, no, he said no. And that, honestly, in that moment, it was everything to me because I just really wanted to be in the presence of the answer. And, you know, in that place, all our questions fall away. And so I wanted to be in the presence of the answer. And sometimes being present with him in that way, it's it's yes or no. And he keeps us safe and he keeps us in his heart and he keeps us clinging in that way and and I won't say that that's been an easy um cling <laughs> at all I've definitely wanted to get my sword out a few times and cut the word in half and you know and uh fight over that garment I think you know but um but then I've just keep thinking about these four women and how they were they were so rebellious, they were willing to cling to what looked different, to the thing that it looked totally different than they were expecting, but they'd been with him enough, they'd walked with him enough, they'd loved him enough that no could be as much everything to them as yes was. And so I've just been very purposed in that, to be faithful to the no. And... Uh, and, you know, sometimes it'll just come up, well, maybe, and then, like, you said, no, I want to cling to that. I want to cling to that. And I think it's been um, a real place of finding beauty. It's really easy to find beauty in the, the yes, <laughs> you know, because you know um, kind of what you're moving toward. You have all these words collected for the yes, you know, but we don't always have that many collected for a no, you know. And uh, so I just have been so grateful to learn how to steward no and to be faithful with it and to let let that no be no and not not try to convince him or myself of anything different. But this is best. Like him saying no to me was actually the best possible thing. And um, so anyway, I hope maybe each of you, um, I don't want to say, I hope he's telling you all no. I don't mean that. I just, if he is, if there's something that even if for a long time you really thought um, it was going to look this way or be this specific thing, and then if you can revisit it with them, and, and if he does say no, that you can cling to that and you can find the beauty of it. And, uh, yeah. And then I just, uh, from that season, I just wanted to share this really sweet testimony. Um, we had the opportunity to let someone do their engagement pictures on Threshold. And uh, so Threshold is part of Araba, but it Pa and I, that's the part Papa invited us to buy because as it was um, 
all that was happening, we discovered it had a whole separate deed, and so there was an invitation for us. Anyway, um, so it's been just a really precious place through this past year, I think, um, for us, and well, always, but I just, I find myself there a lot, sometimes not even going in, but I just drive and I just park right at the gate and just that word and threshold and what that means and and I just um, minister to him and let him minister to me and I come away very changed every time and you know you can have an experience sometimes and it's like well that's we're the only ones that kind of see that or whatever but um, of course we know there are many who who find the beauty in Araba every day but this was uh, the first time we'd really just been able to welcome somebody who we didn't know onto the land. And uh, and so through a chain of events, they ended up, they were trying to do pictures somewhere else and they were referred to us. And so we were like, yeah, you can, you can do that. And so the bride and her mom got to go over and they got to see the property uh, over the weekend and just were like, yes, this is, this is perfect. We'd love to do the pictures here. And so they went last night and, uh, and so I got to check in with her, how'd the pictures go? And I hope you got to stay for sunset cause it is so good over there. And, uh, and she just wrote back how, um, how meaningful it was to be welcomed and, you know, to not have to pass, you know, I think a test really to just get to come and experience his beauty and his um, goodness there. And so she said that the photographer kept saying, just fell in love with Threshold and kept saying, where did you, how did you find out about this? And I don't know, it just spoke to me so much in in these days of, of learning to steward the no, um, as well as the yes and the beauty that comes from that, because I think people who, you know, haven't maybe gotten to experience the generations yet the way we have, or um, maybe his goodness the way we have, have probably heard man's no a lot. And so Papa's yes really was everything. And knowing how many times he said yes to us and how many seeds that's planted and how much beauty there is because of that. And somebody recognizing the beauty of those yeses, I don't know, it just make the, made the no a lot easier. And just let me see in that moment um, the harvest coming from the no, too, and the, the finding the beauty in it. So... You know, he just always gives me visual things, very tangible things when I'm walking through, which I appreciate because I'm a very visual, tangible person, a very hands-on person. But we were just so grateful to get to share and to have somebody see the beauty of all our yeses as we may be in a time where we get to be mature enough and love enough and one with him enough to be able to steward a no as well. Yay. So, otherwise, the barn is coming along. It is. It's it's you can 
really see what's happening in there and it's amazing and we're still continuing with tented and that's just been lovely and uh we're we're just excited we we've talked numerous times about we've got more to share and we do but we're not quite there yet but as soon as we can we will and uh we're already looking forward to august rush yes we are and y'all come yeah (laughs) a lot of people are signing up please come we got lots of extra space in the building this year so looking forward to seeing everyone august 2nd yes All right. We'll talk to you next week. Have a wonderful week. We love you.